0: Hello, people. This is Mike Williamson. Thanks for stopping by. I have a question this morning for for us Christians, and that is, where is the best place to hide from God? Unfortunately, the best place for a Christian or a so-called Christian to hide from God is right in the middle of church. Better yet is to be involved in ministry. Be an usher, be a deacon, be an elder, uh, lead a Bible study. Oh, the best place at all to hide from God is to uh, lead the worship service. Everybody knows the worship leader is one of the most spiritual people in the whole place. After all, he's in tune with God. He's in tune with the Holy Spirit. And he's there to put everybody else in tune with the Holy Spirit. Definitely the worship leader being on the worship team is one of the one of the better places inside of a church to hang out, to hide from God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the hypocrisy that's in the church. You know, Jesus called the the Pharisees. Uh, hypocrites. You know, he wasn't talking about Caesar, the Romans, uh, he wasn't even talking about the average person in the street. He was talking about the leaders of what was then what we would call the church, the religious leaders, the leaders of the whole religious institution. Those were who he was calling hypocrites. You know, the prostitutes and tax collectors, he wasn't calling them hypocrites. He was calling them sinners. And he wasn't calling them hypocrites. You know, real bona fide sinners know they're sinners. Well, you're sitting there leading the choir. You look pretty good on the outside, but are you good on the inside? And that's what Jesus looks at. He looks at what's on the inside. So when Jesus said, uh, many will come to me in that day, in the last day of judgment or whatever it is, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, you know, the knock on our door, let us in. And he'll say, I I don't know who you are. Get away from me. Go away. And he said, but Lord, we we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We sung in the church choir. Hey, we, we were we were worship leaders. We were in ministry. We did all these wonderful things in your name and Jesus says uh, depart from me. I never knew you. What is that? He's talking to people in the church system. He's not talking to people on the outside. Now I'm an expert in this people. I've got a PhD in being a, a whited sepulchre on the inside being full of dead men's bones. You know I've got uh, I There was a time, many years ago, I read a book. It was called, uh, I think it was like 30 Years a Watchtower Slave. I don't remember the book at all other than the fact that it was about a guy that wrote it was uh, a man who had been in the Jehovah's Witness uh, church system for 30 years and then somehow found his way out of it. And I think he probably became a, a born-again evangelical Christian, but I'm not sure of that. And uh, lately, you know, I get on YouTube and I as sometimes I come across these uh, videos of people who are giving their testimony about coming out of the Mormon church. All I'm saying is that there's people that have been 30, 40 years of their life in this religious system that are coming out of it. Some of them are just dropping out, saying, forget it. I don't believe this stuff anymore. And... um they've had it they've they lived the whole deal inside of these false religious institutions and some of them very uh cult like very very mentally and emotionally and of course spiritually enslaving of the people with false doctrines and all the stuff that they got to go through to be members in good standing well there's a lot of that stuff that goes on in uh, evangelicalism uh, Christians we we church going bible believing Bible thumping, carrying Christians have our own brand of churchiosity. You know, we got our our religious slogans, we got our cliches, uh, we got our traditions. So we're not above the fray on this thing. You know, here's the thing: people on the outside can see this stuff, and they see it for what it is. They see a lot of us in the church are hypocrites, and we're a sham, and they they want nothing to do with it and here 's the thing here's another thing people inside the church system that are like this, like myself we don't even know it we don't even recognize it we don't realize it we're we're being as sincere as we know how to to be, but many of us, perhaps like myself, came into Christianity with a very weak, shallow gospel presentation, and we were given the keys to the kingdom, and we hadn't even really gone through. The the baptism of repentance. We hadn't even gone through the, the 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 door, you know, given the keys, but we hadn't opened the door. What's the door? Baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. You can't be the, the bride of Christ and uh, still be hanging on to all of your sins. Well, many of us in church are doing that. We're living a double life. We're lukewarm, or we're 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 posers, we're imposters. The sad thing about it is, is that many of us don't even know that we don't know it. That's why when Jesus said, "Depart from me, I never knew you," they're, they're going to be, con- we're going to be confused. We're going to be devastated. What? Uh, I spent my whole life in church. I read my Bible. I did this. I did that. What? It's inconceivable. So uh, what I'm saying is, people, is as many uh, admonitions in the Bible to examine ourselves, examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith or not. Though so the writers who the writers of the of the New Testament were very very aware in their own day and age, there was many people that were pretenders and posers or wannabes or halfway people. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about people that that had dropped out. He writes about a man named Demas who had worked with him for years, and suddenly just gave it all up and went back into the world, and so. When the Bible says for us to examine ourselves to see whether in the faith or not, we ought to take that seriously. I started I started looking at that and I came to the conclusion that, that the whole deal with Jesus is what's on the inside. Jesus doesn't look at the outside. Remember, I think it was in one of the books of Samuel, Samuel's going to anoint the king, and he looks at all these guys' sons and man, they were really good looking guys and he thought, surely this is the this is the one that God has chosen and God said, You know, Samuel that's not him. I don't look at the outside, I look at the inside. And so he goes through all these guys and he says to the to the father, this is it. Don't you have any more sons? And he says, well I got one guy out in the field. He's a kid. He's uh, tending to the sheep. And he says, well go get him. So he brings him in. It's David. And uh, the Lord says to the prophet, this is him. Anoint him because I look at the inside. So God's interested in our hearts people. He's not interested in our performance. Any real performance that we have that comes out of this has to come out of a out of a pure heart. A lot of us in church, speaking for myself, people, a lot of us in church are sitting there uh, steeped in self-will, the love of sin. We haven't repented. There hasn't been this conversion in our hearts. Are we still hanging on to the love of sin? And, of course, the apostles, uh, especially Paul when he's writing his letters to Ephesians and He always gives this doctrine first. You know, the first couple of chapters are always about doctrine or something like that. And then he says, then then the word, therefore, he starts out, therefore, brothers and sisters. In other words, since these things are true, we've presented to you the gospel. Therefore, this is how you ought to live. And so the rest of the book is all about living out the Christian life with, uh, first of all, he starts with getting rid of sin. And the sins he starts with are the grossest sins of the flesh, the outward stuff, the fornication, the sensuality, the lasciviousness, the covetousness, all of these outward, very demonstrable activities that are easy to pinpoint. Once he goes through all those, once a person's repented of all of those, then you get down to the more sensitive, sophisticated ones, envy, jealousy, bitterness, the things that are on the inside that don't necessarily manifest on the outside. Until some some trigger is pushed, that's what God's doing. That's what God about. He's about cleaning up the inside. He's about saving the soul, and he's about justifying and purifying a people for Himself. What you do on the outside, what I do on the outside, I don't think really matters too much to God. It's what's on the inside. Butcher, baker, candlestick maker it doesn't matter. He He's no respecter of persons. Whether you're the king, whether you're the emperor, or whether you're the shoeshine, whether you're the janitor, it makes no difference to him. He treats everybody the same. It's what's in the heart. That's all he does. He says, God looks on the heart. So I'm saying all this, confessing, you know, this whole thing started with me. I was like 30 years, 30 years uh, a religious Christian. I didn't know any better. I thought this was what it was. Everybody, everybody struggles. Of course, everybody struggles with sin. We all have faults. We, you know, we're not nobody's perfect. But hanging on to the love of sin, taking on to self will, not being broken, but playing the religious game—that's very dangerous. That's the most dangerous place in the world to be, because you think you're you think you're saved and you're not. That's that's scary. So I don't know. You know, I just think there's lots of people in church people. You know, if this is one of you, start looking at your life. You know, I've had honestly people I've had to I've had to back out of church. I've had to back out of church because the whole church system is infested with this easy believism and and uh, self-willed kind of Christianity where we throw speaking again for myself. You know, we throw Jesus a few religious bones. Uh, we give him a few pieces of our life, and the rest of it we keep for ourselves. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's terrifying. What's really terrifying is to have been like this for 30 years because I'm so habituated to it. It's extremely hard. It's extremely hard for somebody that's been in churchianity for 30 years, steeped in the steeped in the system, to go back and, first of all, even to recognize and begin to wonder and to be able to question their life because they've got such a history of religious christianity and religious religiosity they say well sure i'm a christian you know i believe all the right doctrines i go to church all the time i tithe i do all this stuff yeah i'm a christian i'm saved i'm on the way to heaven when in fact none of those things are signs or evidences of being saved what's going on on the inside have you repented of sins now what is repentance Repentance just isn't feeling sorry for sins. Repentance isn't just resisting sin. Repentance is giving up the love of sin. And it's giving up the love of self-will. It's giving up, you know, I can sandbag w- with the best of them. I I can uh, hold my breath for quite a while, but pretty soon eventually I got to I got to breathe again. That's the way it is with sin. If I got the love of sin in me, I can put it off for a while. I can doctor it up. I can masquerade it. I can camouflage it. I can put some makeup over it. But eventually, the makeup's going to wear off, and it's going to become evident. Every woman, you know, speaking to women, you wear makeup. You put it on in the morning. Why do you do that? You're covering up who you really are. You're covering up your natural face. Uh, trying to make yourselves look beautiful or better. And I don't fault that. Okay, whatever. But you go through the day, especially if you're working out in the world, you're working in an office or something, wearing high heels. you got to do this, you know. I, I'm driving down the road. I'm retired now, but I drive down the road. I see these women going to work, and they're, they're stopped at a stop sign, uh stoplight, uh, putting on their mascara or whatever it is they put on their eyes, you know, or uh, their eyebrows or lipstick. They're still getting ready. They're putting on their they're <laughs> they're just like men in the army. They're putting on their battle gear for the day. They're they're going. They know they're going into a war zone, and they've got to be. They got to have their uniform on. They've got to have their equipment. In other words, they're toast. So they got to go in there looking at the best that they can look, you know, and acting the best that they can. They got to put on a show. What happens? When you get home at night, ladies, you get home at night. The first thing you do is you kick off your high heels. You go in. You put your sweatpants on or your pajamas or whatever. And and then before you go to bed at night, you take off all your makeup. You know, I'm I'm getting I'm digressing. <laughs> I'm really going off on a rabbit trail. But the thing is, in Christianity, we put on our Christian makeup, we put on our Christian uniforms, and we do this thing we call church. Now, some of us, you know, if we're in, in some churches that are really cool, you know, California cool, uh, I've been to some churches where people go to church in, in flip-flops. Hey, I've been to some churches where the pastors are wearing cut-offs and, and, and 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 flip-flops. You know I mean that's maybe that's okay in Hawaii. that's the way everybody dresses over there, but on the mainland, you know uh, you know whatever it's casual Christianity, come as you are, you know, but whatever, and then some people you go to church you gotta wear a suit, a man's gotta wear a suit and a tie, a woman's gotta wear a a long dress, no pants, so you go there and you you spend an hour getting ready to go to church, take your baths, you know, shave, do all that stuff, put your makeup on. Get into your dress, get into your heels or whatever shoes, you know. And then what what you do is you spend a lot of time, just like people that go to work, you spend a lot of time thinking how you look. Does this match? Do I look good? I'm speaking to ladies especially. Does this? Do I look good in this dress? Is this outfit? You know, I've had my own wife say, "How do I look?" And I'm thinking, "You're going to church. What does it matter?" God looks at the inside. Well, you know, I was trying to be super spiritual at the time because I would go through my routine, too. But the point is, we dress up to go to church. And that, to me, is a shame. I'm not saying to go there and be casual and wear flip-flops and everything. What I'm saying is what we do is we put on a uniform that we don't normally wear during the course of the week. And uh, not only do we put on an exterior uniform of dress and makeup and all that, but we put on an interior uniform of attitude, and we put on the church face and the church smile. So we walk in the door, and, and the greeter shakes our hand and says, Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing today? We say, Tremendous. Ain't God great? And uh, we just had a fight with our wives. Uh, oh, praise the Lord, brother. You know, God is good, blah, blah, blah. We know the drill. We know the, We know it. We know it. The Bible says test ourselves to see whether we're in the faith or not. So people, uh I've got a long history of this and that's why I'm talking about it. Because if I have I'm I'm nothing special. I know that if I'm like this there's a lot of people that are in the same boat as me. We're thinking we're in the in the lifeboat headed to heaven, but we're in the we're in the boat called uh it says heaven. It says I I live for Jesus, but really on inside it's it's we're living for me first. It's time to clean house. We Christians, most of us are probably conservative politically, and uh, a lot of us are for the current conservative uh, leader and president. And we think that this president is talking about, you know, his famous line, "Drain the swamp." Well, listen, folks, in Christianity, it's time to drain the swamp. In Christianity has become so worldly you can hardly tell the difference between it and an Iraq concert. It's time for Christians to drain. Who's going to stand up? It's time to drain the Christian swamp. We have leaders and pastors that are, you know, the head of the swamp people. They're the ones steering the swamp boat. Even Christian pastors, so-called pastors, so-called Christians, they don't pass the test. They, they don't. And they might be fooling everybody. They might be fooling the congregations. They might even be fooling their themselves. But they're not fooling God. We're not fooling God. I'm not fooling God. God knows my heart. God knows my thoughts. God knows my motives. It's time to drain the swamp, people, inside the church. Or, as the Bible says, somewhere, and they are come out from amongst them, and and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and I'll be your God. I think there's a lot that's happening in Christianity. A lot of people are coming out of the so-called church, the external, organized church, because they see how, in many cases, how corrupt it is, and then in other cases, just how ineffective it is, how unrelated it is to their lives, how it's not relating to their lives. Now, I don't know. I mean, that's an indictment. That's a broad statement, a broad indictment. I don't mean it for for every church, for every church building, for every church organization. All I'm saying is, if, if the shoe fits, wear it. If this resonates with you, it's time to do something about it. I'm not saying for everybody to leave the church, uh, church system, organized church. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying for myself I had to because I was so thoroughly self-deluded in my Christianity and my religiosity that I had to get out of it to get away from its influence so I could begin to go back to the beginning. In the book of Revelation, he says uh, in one of the churches, uh, go back and do your first things, your first love. That's what I'm doing, getting back to one-on-one with God. Because in the last day when I stand before God, it's not going to be about the pastor. It's not going to be about the church I belong to. It's not going to be about their doctrine. It's not going to be how they did things. It's going to be what was going on on the inside of me. God, I'm convinced, at least for me right now, this is where I'm at, it's not about doing anything for God. It's not about being involved in the church. It's not about being a missionary. God's not asking me to do anything. God is not interested in what I do. He's interested in what I am. He's not telling me to do something. He's telling me to be something. And if we don't get the, the being something first, then the doing something will be all screwed up. It won't matter anyhow. We have to be before we can do. So anyhow, that's a long rant. Thank you for sticking in with it and hanging in there. And if you if this resonates with you, take it all to heart. Thanks again for listening.